business and bourbon. This guy, he's on everything. And now he's on business and bourbon. Every time I turn around, this guy's on TV. You're on CNN all the damn time. There's going to be a million people watching this. I hope I don't F up on here. You're the golden boy. Everything you touch, it turns to gold. <laughs> the truth is, I grew up in a really poor town. My dad was a traveling salesman and he killed himself. How do we as individuals recover financially? How do we as individuals put ourselves in a better situation? You need to find a mentor. You need to find a leader. So fortunately, I found a father figure. There's so much opportunity in investing in the smaller guy and watching them grow. I'm not a big fan of carrying stupid debt. I like the idea of doing plastic surgery, which is basically cutting up your cards. <laughs> There's more fulfillment in what you can do for others and impacting other people's lives. Everyone said, you are stupid, dumb. This is a crazy idea. Young people don't want an advisor. Young people got no money. You know what? They were wrong. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. My name is Ronnell Richards, and I am your host and the creator of Business and Bourbon. You guys may notice that that buttery, soft voice that you're used to is a little bit raspy these days. But you know what? I felt it was apropos. I really did. 2020 has been a banger of a year for all of us, hasn't it? So as we end our season and we end our year with Business and Bourbon, yeah, my voice may not be 100%. I've been dealing with some sickness, but you know what? We've dealt with sickness as a world. I'm no different. So I figured, you know what? We're going to go out here and we're going to create one more amazing episode and bring on a great guest to help you guys going into 2021. Because if we've learned anything from 2020 is that anything is possible. We've seen things this year that we never thought that we'd see in our lifetimes. A lot of that negative. But I'm going to tell you what. What that has taught us is that things are on the horizon in a positive sense that we've never seen before. There are things that are waiting for us and waiting for you in 2021 that you cannot fathom at this moment. So we need to be prepared for it. We need to be ready to receive it. And I want to get you kicked off here in 2021 with the fantastic Business and Bourbon episode. So I invited Ted Jenkins. Why did I invite Ted? Because Ted has a fantastic personal story that I find extremely inspiring. But beyond that, Ted is financial guru. He's that guy. So as we're sitting here, we're starting our recovery from 2020, going into 2021, I wanted to bring in my personal guru to share some secrets to help you guys to get that ship righted so we can make some tremendous highs in 2021. So with that said, it's time. Grab that glass, grab that cup, grab that mug, whatever it is that you want to drink out of and pour your favorite beverage in there. For me right now, it's lemon, honey, and tea. <laughs> Whatever it is that you like to drink, pour it in there. Sit down next to Ted and myself here as we enjoy a little business and bourbon. Welcome back to Business and Bourbon, where we have real talk with real people. And we're heading in towards the end of 2020, headed into 2021. And boy, what a ride it has been for us, right? I'm sitting right now in the offices of Oxygen Financial here in Buckhead, just around the corner from our beloved King and Duke. 
love to be recording from there, but King and Duke is closed unexpectedly. But, you know, they've been challenged like a lot of restaurants, like a lot of businesses out there. A lot of you guys are right now challenged with how you're going to serve your customers, how you're going to serve your clients, not just restaurants, a lot of businesses. And I want first and foremost, before we get into this episode today, to let you guys know that we're there for you, man. We're thinking about you. We're spending our money with you and we'll continue to support you. That's why it was really important for me to bring someone on here as we wrap this year that I think can bring tremendous value to the network because, you know, financially, a lot of us have been through it, right? Either some of you guys are, are experiencing some really great highs in your business, which kudos, kudos, get ready for 2021 though, because <laughs> those quotas are going up. Or you're sitting back and you're thinking, man, how the heck am I going to get through to 2021? Well, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and there certainly is going to be you know, brighter days ahead. But I wanted to bring on someone that I really value from a standpoint of what he's done with his businesses. And just he consults people that have way more net worth than this guy sitting over on this side. So I figured he could give us some great advice. So with that said, I'm going to introduce my guest who I'm so excited to have, you know, because this guy, he's on everything. And now he's on business and bourbon. I look every time I turn around, this guy's on TV. He's on CNN. Like, I hope they're paying you a shitload of money over there, Ted, because you're on CNN all the damn time. And now you got your own network you're putting up. This guy's all over the place. So let me go ahead and introduce my buddy, Ted Jenkins. Ted, first of all, how many times do people call you Jenkins? That has to happen. <laughs> well, I, I always say, well, thanks for having me on the program today. I was excited to do this. I was thinking before this, I wonder if King and Duke still has those chicken sandwiches. They have like this, it's like a fried chicken sandwich with spicy peanut cabbage slaw and some crispy french fries and i could have downed that oh my god (laughs) well here's the thing it's not on the menu right now it's not no no but i think it'll be back on the you know they guys if you again if you guys get to atlanta come to buckhead go to king and duke go around the corner say hi to ted and his folks at oxygen financial but you know they take really good care of you anyway the the menu they've got you know it's a chef driven restaurant so they're always kind of switching things so good i want to tell you that growing up as a child everybody called me jenkins everybody (laughs) everybody said ted jenkins and so eventually i had to come up the line and basically said i am jenkins because my parents could not afford the S. So <laughs> and now I got nothing but S's, baby. <laughs> but they always say and still today after a while, because I got married. I've been married 26 years now. Congratulations. 26 years. But my wife likes me for the most part, but the part she hates me for is Jenkins. Because name, huh? everyone calls her Jenkins. She goes, It's Jenkins. I said, honey, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. No one, it's, we're Jenkins. It is what it is. You got a head start on her, man. You were able to get used to it. I did. I had like a 20 year head start. So, hey, as we get into the show, I want to first let people know what it is that you do and what you've done over the course of your career. Some of you guys may be familiar with checking Ted out, giving great financial advice on CNN, but Ted, can you tell us a little bit about your biz and what you've done? Yeah, well, 12 and a half years ago, we had a crossroads. And everyone that gets into this financial business, people think, oh, you're in, you want to make money and stuff like that. Of course we do. It's, you know, it's the nature of business. But I felt like there was a big gap out there for the X and Y generation that all these big firms, they wanted retirees that had $5 million. And I said, who's going to help out the little man? 
Who's going to help out the little woman? Who's going to help out that person that's in credit card debt that doesn't know how to do a budget? So I started Oxygen to basically build a subscription model where I charge a monthly fee and I help younger families. This is 12 and a half years ago, figure out how to become the CEO of their family finances and start to run their finances like a business. So where does the name Oxygen. So if you think about this, the last five letters of oxygen are X, Y, Gen. And then I added an O to it. And it's really O, X, Y, Gen, but it's oxygen. And that is how the name came about. O, X, Y, Gen. And I made it oxygen. I actually thought Oprah owned it when I first did it. I'm like, damn, Oprah's going <laughs> to sue me. Oprah is going to sue can't me. You win that one, brother. <laughs> I would not win that. No, I got crushed by that one. You know, not really a business, I guess, till you get a, one of those cease and desist letters. But <laughs> but she didn't own it. And I was able to, to trademark the name Oxygen Financial. And what it was about was saying, we're going to work with younger people and we're going to go help them build up their net worth. And one day they will be millionaires. And they will have valued that we took the ride with them as opposed to hunting for those people that had $5 million. And when I did it, everyone said, you are stupid. You are dumb. This is a crazy idea. Young people don't want an advisor. Young people got no money. And you know what? They were wrong. They were wrong. They did want advice. It just wasn't the traditional walk me up to the 15th floor, see the Andy Warhol painting in the marble lobby and have some dude in in an Armani suit talk down to you. I come to work in jeans, man. I want to talk to people like they are regular human beings. And that's the dialogue that we have at our office every day. What's funny about that is that I think that whether it's an entrepreneurship or in sales, like I think people are just naturally defaulted to I want to go find the elephants, right? Let's go after the elephants. Let's go after yes. the big money, right? And, and try to build their business based upon that. But what I've seen in examples like yours is that, man, there's so much opportunity in investing in the smaller guy and watching them grow, and especially in your business and finance. Like you find those guys and just help cultivate them, help them to grow their finances, and then you grow with them. But I think that with folks in other businesses and other verticals, there's a lot to be learned from that example of, Hey, look, there's a ton of money outside of the elephants. Would you agree? Yeah. You know, in our business, I hear people that are financial advisors all the time. Like, I just want athletes or I want entertainers or, oh, man, I wonder if Arthur Blank would give me some of his money, you know, <laughs> and these very, oh, Dan Cathy. These, I said, yeah, I gotta get them. But you know who I'll take all day long? Give me a young couple. It's 30 years old, 35 years old. They just had their first baby. They both have jobs and they're like. Do we pay down our mortgage quicker? How do we make sure that we can still live if we have to live on one income? And they still have goals. And fact is, a lot of these big Fortune 500 companies, they don't want to work with those folks anymore. Yeah. You know, like if you don't have a million dollars, I don't want to know your name. It's like, mm -hmm. well, I say, if you don't have a million dollars, I do want to know your name. <laughs> yeah. I do want to know your name. And I want to work with you because I got into this business to help people do better and to help them be able to achieve their dreams, not to make a pile load of cash. You know, that's the byproduct of doing well for other people. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. So now that we know a little bit about what you've done, we know a little bit more about who you are. Yeah. So the first question, we're on business in bourbon, and while we're <laughs> not at the King and Duke enjoying our cocktails like we'd like to be at the moment, I want to know what's your favorite drink? What's your favorite cocktail? 
Well, it varies. You know, right now, if I'm in a beer mood, I've been drinking this thing called RJ's Son of a Peach. It's like a peach type beer. Yeah. It's it's pretty good. But generally for me, if I could have basically like a Moscow Mule, I'll drink that all day long. You're that guy. Um, And it's weird because, man, I got a bourbon cart in my office. I actually have my office in Alabama. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've got the bourbon. spectacular. I don't really drink a lot of bourbon, but if I drink bourbon... I go for Woodford Reserve. Yeah. I like that. Angel's Envy, I like. Uh, uh, that's yeah. That's one of my favorites. So, it's, Ted, you know I don't discriminate, right? <laughs> like, if you want to have your Moscow Mule, if you want to have your, <laughs> it feels your, like your, your girly drink. drink with the umbrella in it, dude, I, I'll let you have that. It's, <laughs> people always think that I'm going to, like, spirit shame them. I'm not going to spirit shame you. It's okay. <laughs> if that's what you enjoy. Now, when we asked you, I asked you prior to the show, you like, you like Pims, too, right? Oh, well, yeah, I would say uh, there was probably a 10-year stretch, and I have two at home. I had Pim's number one with ginger ale, and that's a very light cocktail. Yeah. It's, a, it's good. Again, I'm, I feel like I had a double girly drink there between the Pim's and the ah, Moscow. No, that's fine. But Pim's is, is nice. It, it's a sophisticated drink. Um, Unless you add a maraschino cherry to it. If you're doing that. Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, that would be tasty. Uh, <laughs> that'd be tasty, but I don't, you know... Um, Look, here at the office, too, I can be coaxed into a lot of stuff. (laughs) And somehow, about a year ago, my team coaxed me into doing Fireball Friday. So all the offices at Fireball and every Friday at our team meeting, we all have to do a shot of Fireball. And somehow mine gets poured way larger than everybody else's (laughs) Fireball shot. (laughs) Dude, uh, yeah, Fireball's not for me. It's not for me, but I do it because I get shamed into it if I don't do it. So, hey, uh, my next question for you, because I'm a music guy. Everyone yeah. knows I, I'm a hip-hop. I'm a, I'm a music guy. And so I asked you who your favorite musical act was. And your answer to this question was Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, man. I love them. And, you know, who's your favorite member? Well, Flea. Okay. I mean, I wish I could come to work in a diaper and uh, <laughs> walk around all day. I mean, what a good job. You're like, what you got to do? I'm going to get dressed up in a diaper and play guitar today. Where I really like them is I've probably seen them live four times or five times, mm-hmm. and they're so good. Some bands just aren't that good live. These guys don't need a big light show, but that's on the rock side. I like all kinds of music. Right now, I'm in a big 70s phase. I'm really? like, listen to... I'm like listening. What kind to, of 70s? I'm listening to disco. I'm, okay. I'm I'm listening to you know more easy music from the 70s, and you know there are songwriters and lot. There aren't as many songwriters. Is this a midlife it. thing? Are you like? Are I'm you, not sure. You, it's like I just like. No, I want it to be easy, and <laughs> I think on. what it is is I'm trying to get as much as I can out of my Sirius XM subscription <laughs> that I'm paying for. So I feel like I got to dial 80s on eight, 70s on seven. I can't do the 60s. The 60s, I listened to them like, what is that? Okay, no. 60s, um, like, soul music soul is Soul music is good. That's the best. Yeah. But the other stuff, like the 50s stuff, and I'm sorry, guys, I may, be, I may have my decades wrong, but yeah. the, the Bob, we the ba and all that stuff, yeah. and the, I can't yeah. do it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good. It's it, not it, good. It just, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work for me. This thing about the coronavirus, I do miss so much. Just going out and hearing live music. I yeah. really do. Like, I, there's something about your spirits to just sit there and listen to live music. And I miss that. Yeah. Again, one of the reasons why I really wanted you on is, you know, listen, I, we're not going to say 
all the other the catchphrases and the things that we use to talk about the pandemic. This is just some shit that we're in. Okay, yeah, we're, all we're in, in it, man. So I really want to bring focus to what's next, man. Like, how do we as individuals recover financially? How do we as individuals um, put ourselves in a better situation so that you know next year at this time? We're doing way better. There's certain things that are out of our control. There are plenty of things that are under our control that we can take action now to either change our financial situation or make it better. So I'm going to crack you up here. What? I know when I tell you this because people don't know it in the company. And if they hear this, they'll know it, but they don't know it. But I'm like, eventually next year, I got to unpandemic people and get them back to like, <laughs> oh, man, I can't believe I did this. So I bought tickets for everybody in the company to go see the Backstreet Boys. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm going to make them all go out and get hammered and go listen to the Backstreet Boys. because oh You lost. You know what? I thought you were the coolest guy when you, in, in the room until you just said that. Like you lost so many cool points. What's your favorite Backstreet Boys song, by I the didn't way? even know the, the song. Liar! Yes, no. you do. No. I did it my... What what? what? <laughs> What is that? Oh, I don't me. know because I don't know any. I know t- I know two of them because they play them at like every wedding. It's the same two. Oh, songs hold on. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Is that, is that one of theirs? Know. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't like Backstreet Boys. In sync, they're kind of like the same thing to me, except one has Justin Timberlake. I like Justin Timberlake. Yeah, he he's he's yeah, cool. He's, he's cool. cool. I just had to mess with the whole company, and I'm not gonna tell them. And then I'm gonna do it, and they're gonna be like, "We got a great concert. We're going to where are we going?" Backstreet Boys. <laughs> that'll be cool, though. And you have to wear all white. <laughs> Outside of you losing some cool points, that'll be fun. All white, too? <laughs> Where's my ticket? Just kidding. You want to come, too? No, Do you want to come that night? I'm good. Just I want video. Just take plenty okay. of videos. All right. right. That should, I'm going to send it a, to Business and Bourbon. You guys will have some footage for that. That should be a fun night. I'd like that. All right. So, guys, we're going to post the footage of Ted and his company at oh, Backstreet Boys exclusively on businessandbourbon.live. Make sure you're there. We'll have the exclusive content of Ted singing all the songs that he knows by heart. <laughs> He's fronting right now. He knows. <laughs> so, Ted, people, I know, especially here in, in Atlanta, but, you know, there's a national audience for CNN and you're in CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, quite frequently, I think like every, every weekend, right? Every week now. Yeah. yeah, every week. Headline news or CNN every weekend. So I found this really interesting. One of the questions I had asked you uh, prior to us going on the air was something that caused you a lot of fear because, you know, I think that sometimes when people see people like you and they see you on television, see you doing your thing and you just exude success and they're like, they don't see any weakness they don't see they just see this image and the funny thing to me as i asked you about fears and you said like going on television and radio was a fear for you and you're like yes you're like master of financial content right now that blew my mind like is that still a fear i how did you overcome it it's almost like if i was a stand-up comedian that 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 five minutes before it's showtime man yeah. The butterflies hit. I'm like, damn, there's going to be a million people watching this. I hope I don't F up on here. I hope yeah. I don't say something stupid or forget what I want to say. And you could do this thing a thousand times, but still, it's that moment before showtime where you get the butterflies. And I will tell you, the night before, if you ask my wife before I tire, I got to go on tomorrow. I need like 
20 minutes to like be away from her. I got to think about what it's going to look like tomorrow. I still have to visualize it because I demand a high level of performance, right? I want my three minutes to be the best three minutes it could be. So yeah. I'm still afraid to death. One day I'm going to get on there and go say something stupid or say, you know, I forget what I'm going to say or blank out. And it's weird. You see yourself on TV. It's weird. And it's still stressful. And, you know, people sometimes be like, oh, you did a good job. And I'm like, you saying it for, <laughs> you saying it for real or you're just trying to be nice? You know, I, I just do, you know, part time little bits on there. I can't even imagine what it's like to be an anchor full time and just, uh, you know, constantly having people say stuff on Twitter and Facebook. But I'll tell you, every time I do CNN, I could say the nicest things in the world and still somebody gets on there and Twitter and writes one hate note. Really? Or, yeah. I did a great thing this past weekend for small businesses because I, more than anybody, I put every dollar I can back into this Atlanta community. I believe in my community here. I buy my paper local. I buy my chairs local. I buy everything I can from a local guy. And I said one thing about it might not be bad to negotiate with a local small business owner of this holiday season because if you shop on Amazon or Target, you're killing your local community. I don't care if you live in California or you live in Georgia, you're killing your local community. They need you this yeah. holiday season. And some guy said, you're the worst, you're a villain. You know, they didn't, it's like they didn't hear anything else I said. Wow. And I sent back and I said, maybe you want to rewatch the whole segment because it seems like you missed two minutes and 50 seconds of it and you caught 10. But that's the way TV is today. People could catch a little piece and they go, can't believe what that guy said. It's like, did you hear the whole thing I said? Or mm -hmm. did you just hear... 10 seconds but i'll tell you what man we gotta do everything we can to support your local business owner i'm telling you it's hard it's hard running a business and you get times like this and you own a restaurant you got a little mom and pop retail shop god bless that is hard yeah. to start with man and, and and trying to do it now you got to support them well those guys they're the ones that again to your point really need our support really need our help right now and uh much like you i'm 100 percent invested in small business local but small period you know that's right my network like yours it's a national network right and so we try to work with in every aspect of my business i'm always trying to work with small business owners that you know create great products there's one thing though one thing that i want to make sure i make clear i don't work with people just because they're small and i know you don't that's either right. i work with them because they're small and they do great work you right. have to steal two great work right. that's, that's why true whether it's um, Kathleen, who makes all of the glasses by hand for our business and bourbon whiskey experiences out of Missouri. Um, shout out to Kathleen. She has a shout out on the show. <laughs> Kathleen, you're a star now. You're a star. <laughs> you know, or some of the other vendors that we work with, that's super important to me. So these small businesses that we're supporting and that you support, I wondered if you could share a little bit of financial advice or just going into this new year. What should they be focused on? What should they be looking at in their own businesses, their own finances to kind of put themselves in a better situation as we start to hopefully come out of this thing that we're in soon? Right. Well, if you think about the simplicity of a business having two line items, really, at its basic level, revenue and expenses. And if you do it right, you got some profit at the end of it. The first thing you ought to be doing now is looking through your entire vendor list looking through your entire credit card and saying, what do I need and what don't I need going into my business for the next year? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to fire a service or get rid of them, but 
a good example is that I have flowers here in the office from Buckhead Bloom right down the street from me here. I like Buckhead Bloom, but I don't have any clients coming into the office now. So I told him, look, this isn't me saying I don't want to do business with Buckhead Bloom anymore. It's just me putting a pause on this because I'm not going to have flowers in here if there's nobody in the office. It's $100 a month or something for flowers. I just mm -hmm. don't need it. So that's that kind of discussion. The revenue I've been saying to every business owner, what is your pivot plan? What is your pivot plan? And what I mean by that is that we still don't know how long the pandemic will affect our business. We still don't know if there's going to be more curfews or more lockdowns. And if that happens, I really think that you want to have a pivot plan to say, how else would I drive revenue if the way I drive revenue today dries up? If it dried up today, imagine you have a business because I know even the ones that are doing well, you're thinking this is never going to dry up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Even Ted Jenkins, Oxygen, we all hit peaks and valleys. Yeah. And when you hit valleys, you have to be ready with your pivot plan of what will I do to change my model, alter my model or add a service or change something that might drive more revenue because that is ultimately the driver. Right. You know, without sales, you don't have a business. Without sales, you don't have a business. So those two things are big. And then the last thing I will tell you is get more comfortable with your bank. And what I mean by that is make sure you got your lines of credit open. You don't want to be after the fact like, oh, my business is downhill. We're not doing well. I need a line of credit. The bank's not going to give you one. Get it while things are going well. Get mm -hmm. the credit. I'm not saying to use the credit cards. I'm just saying get the credit cards open so you have access to capital because if you need it, we don't know if there'll be more uh, PPP money or other government money. You want to get that set up. And so I think this time during the pandemic has taught business owners that you got to have a good banking relationship and you got to have a pivot plan. And then I would be looking at your expenses to think about what you need and, and what you don't. Oh, I love that. You know, I think that what I see in working with, with different small businesses and um, founders is a lot of people are afraid of debt right oh yeah because they're afraid of debt they're also super hesitant to find these sorts of sources of um it's the best way to put it finance guy just getting other capital from, yes uh, there we go yeah <sighs> and i'm not even <laughs> drinking any whiskey today <laughs> jesus so i always encourage people like right hey the best time to go seek out capital is when you don't need it because that's right when you do need it no one's giving it to you. That is right. And, and that's I, just and, my personal and, and, and experience. And I think it's actually maybe as abundant as it's ever been before because the government has printed so much money. And let's think about what a bank does. You know, it's a very simple business again, right? You you deposit money on hand. And they turn around and they loan out 90 cents of the dollar to other people. Mm -hmm. And when the government's printing money, the government has to put that money into the marketplace. So they put the money into the banks at basically zero cost now. And the banks don't need to charge a crazy rate to get it out in the marketplace, but they only make money on spread, which means if they got it at zero and they charge you four, so what? You know, when you look at the rate of return on anything, and I learned this actually, it's interesting in this business because I always thought stock market, stock market, you know, because that's the way I got trained. But the truth is there is no better investment, period, ever, ever, ever than your business if you can make it work, right? If you got a business that you can make it work, there's no rate of return in real estate, collectibles, the stock market, then your business, because not only are you generating cash flow, but you're also building something that you could have the potential to sell. So you mm -hmm. get a double whammy. Where else are you gonna get that? So people say, oh, if I made 10% of my money in the stock market, I'd be happy. 
Yeah, but on a business, if you look at the real internal rate of return for a lot of business owners, it could be 100%, 200%. So you borrow money at four and you can make it work yeah. and get a 100% rate of return. Great, do it. But that's the hard part, right? Or otherwise everyone have a Everyone would thing. do it, right? Making it works, the hard part. But I also think you got to look for trends as well. One of the good examples of this is like in our business, we started to become experts in cyber liability insurance. Now that sounds like a really narrow thing, but almost every business owner is concerned about cybersecurity now, and they need to have cyber liability in case people crack into their systems and steal their client base. So we get the door open in some places by offering people cyber liability insurance. And that's a, that's a good example of a pivot by seeing what's going on in the marketplace and saying, wow, I got a new product. I got a new service I can offer somebody. So, so is that something that's for individuals or business businesses owners. or both? Okay. Yeah, business owners. Okay. But, you know, we might be go to a business owner and they go, oh, I don't like the stock market or I don't want a 401k plan. It's like, hey, do you have cyber liability insurance? What's that? And it just allows us to get our foot in the door because, like any business, you hope to sell all of the products and services you have. But a lot of times, you just got to get your foot in the door. Yeah. And this you were talking about elephant hunting. You know, a lot of people are like, well, if I can't make all the sales and I just don't want them as a client, it's not always going to work that way. Sometimes you just got to get a nibble. I call it salami slicing. Get a, get a piece of salami. Yeah. Then slice another one. Then, then you get the whole salami. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. So... So I want to segue back a little bit yeah, and talking about you a little bit more because, you know, a lot of people listen to, to Business and Bourbon. They really want to understand who we are, what makes us who we are, right? Yeah. And on the surface, you're a really successful guy. You've built a really successful company. You're the golden boy. Everything you touch, it turns to gold. <laughs> Tell me something that people don't know. Yeah, like, so, what's a challenge? What's something <clears throat> that you've been through that they're like, y'all just don't know? Yeah, so I really appreciate the question. A lot of people don't ask that, and they assume, oh, this guy must come from money. Or, oh, you know, this guy, he just, he just got it made. But the truth is, I grew up in a really poor town in middle of nowhere, New Jersey. My mom was a school teacher. My dad was a traveling salesman. And when I was 18, he killed himself. Oh, wow. So imagine your pops died at 18. You go to your mom and say, hey, you're going to be all right. Finds out <clears throat> my dad left her in $100,000 of credit card debt. He had a gambling problem. And my mom was a school teacher. So the only thing she had going for her was that she had 15 years in teaching. And, and, you know, when your mom looks you in the eye and I'm like, well, I'll stop going to college. I'll, I'll just, I'll come home. I'll do what you need. And my mom yeah. says, there ain't nothing here for you. Like, you got to go figure it out. Like, you know, I had to figure out my life. You got to go figure out your life. And I was like, damn, now I had to go back to college. I got $67 in my bank account, <laughs> you know? And so, um, I just had to figure it out, man. And uh, I always wanted to be a school teacher. Like, I really feel like it's probably the most underpaid profession in America, or one of them. Uh, you know, no we, doubt. We don't value our teachers near like we, my mom taught public school. And, uh, you know, I went. And, and uh, when I finished college, uh, you know, I, I think when you look for a job sometimes, you know, it, it's not even so much about the company. You, you need to find a mentor. You need to find a leader. So fortunately, I found 
basically a father figure, you know, who took me into what was American Express at the time. And he said, hey, kid, you know, do everything I tell you to do. And in three years, you can make a hundred grand. I thought, a hundred grand? Oh, my God, I would do anything. Now, I was living in Section 8 housing. Mm -hmm. I lived in South Boston. And you're going to laugh at this, but this is the God's honest truth. The only things I had to my name was a waterbed. That's all I had. I had a waterbed I peeled off of some guy from college. <laughs> and I had a drafting table. And then basically I went to Bed Bath & Beyond and I got one of those cardboard drawers to put my crap in. And I remember this guy telling me, he goes, just write down your goals, look at them every day, and this is all going to happen. And I didn't even know that he was feeding me Kool-Aid. I just thought, I'll do whatever it takes to get out of this apartment. I remember the only three things that I really would eat is I ate the three peas. It was pasta, popcorn, and potatoes. <laughs> and you can buy a crap load of that for no money. Mm -hmm. You know, I ate potatoes every way you could eat potatoes. And all I think about is I just want to figure out how to get out of this mess. And so I just went to work uh, for American Express. I did what this guy told me to do. In my first year, I made $24,000. You know, it was enough to get by. And then the second year, I think I made forty four, forty six thousand, which for me would have should have been 460000 <laughs> And he said, hey, he goes, I'm going to promote you into management. I thought, management? Okay. And he goes, we're going to ship you off to Washington, D.C. You get a manager job, and it's going to pay you 90000 90,000 wow. what should have been 9 million. Yeah. Then I went to work and you know, my reputation in that company is that I, like I worked an insane amount of hours and I studied and I learned everything that I could. And so it's ironic now that, yeah, you know, you look at it, it's like, Oh, you've made it. And it's like, I never really cared about the money to begin with. Like, you know, I mean, maybe my wife cares or my family cares, but like, so what was the motivating factor then? Well, this business was great for me because what I got motivated on is it was my therapy. You know, I never went to therapy for my dad passing away. And in this job, I got to counsel people about how not to have happened what happened to my mom. Yeah. And every time I talked to a family, I could look at their eyes and I'd be like, look, this happened to my mom. This happened to us. We we're broke. <laughs> And if you don't want this to happen, this is why you need a plan. This is why you need a budget. This is why you don't want to get into credit card debt. These are the signs to watch out for. And still to this job, I mean, I've been doing this for 25 plus years. It's still mm -hmm. therapy for me every day. And that's why some people will be like, you ever see therapy about your dad dying? I'm like, I don't really need to because like this is, this is what it is. You know, yeah. I get to help people every day try to not have happen what happened to my family. And thanks for sharing that. That's that's intense, man. Yeah, it's crazy, you know. Um, and the sad part, man, is that, you know, it's funny we talk about this TV stuff. Like, my dad was on the radio in uh, Boston. And whatever karma it is, you know, uh, this is all happening for a reason, the radio and the TV. But I wish my dad was here to see it. I really do. I would give every dollar I had in the bank today for my dad to see one CNN episode wow. because he would be out of his mind. You know, he'd be out of his mind that his kid, his yeah. kid did this, you know, and, and my mom sees it and we talk about it, you know, and stuff like that because it's still surreal to her. You know, we grew up in a townhouse, never had a yard. It was maybe 1100 square feet, but I didn't know, you know, when people say they were poor, like I wasn't food stamp poor. 
Dude, when you're poor, you don't know you're poor until you you're not poor anymore. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't know. It's just your life. Um, you really don't. It's identify. so true. Yeah. You really don't, you know. And uh, but I never really thought about it. Like we never. I never. I got a big wheel, or I got a Schwinn bike or something. You know, I was like all fired up. You know, mm -hmm. and but everyone else had the same stuff. Yeah. And I think it's part of what's out there today. It's like you know, you're in business. Like, don't chase money chase what it is you love to do or like for me the demons of what happened to my dad it's all fixed by me doing this stuff you know so you think in a way that helped fuel first of all did it motivate you to be in the financial industry and did it help to kind of fuel your resolve to be successful in it and, and kind of helping people or? well uh i don't know i never sat there when i was in my late teens and 20s being like i want to get in the financial industry but once i started doing this job of financial planning for people i realized like i got the best of both worlds i could teach i could educate like my mom but um i also could be have this therapy of helping other families like not have what happened to my family so I think I lucked into that piece of like what this career was back in the 90s. I didn't know exactly what it was, but every day it's been a blessing that um, I get to help people not make those mistakes. So I've got a weird question for you, but I think that it's something that would really help the network. You know, there are a lot of people that are in rough financial situations. Listen, I'm an entrepreneur, dude. So I've seen high and I've seen low. <laughs> it's tough. You know, and so... If you could hop in a time machine and you would go back and have a conversation with your dad, who it sounds, I don't know everything that was going on, but there's always some financial yeah. stress there. Someone that's in that position, because there's someone in that position right now that's listening to this. Yes. What sort of advice would you give them? <clears throat> well, the biggest thing, and I would have said this to my dad, because now I realize in retrospect that, you know, he probably created some of his own doom, is that you just have to try to be who you are financially and not somebody that you're not. There's no good outcome in owning a Range Rover if you can't actually own one. There's no good outcome in trying to buy things thinking that you are impressing other people. They say fake it till you make it. And I'd say to a degree that could be true, but not if it puts you in financial ruin because the stress that you put on yourself emotionally physically carrying around debt it is the brick load of brick loads that are out there and that's why a lot of times people will say oh i got some money to invest i'm like you got debt and it's like yeah well i don't want you to invest any money with me pay off the debt why because you're going to feel better <laughs> you're going to feel better you might get all excited that we got a stock account but you're going to feel better when you go home and say i own that house i own that car and i'm not a massive dave ramsey fan but i do like Dave's general principle of getting out of debt. When you don't owe anybody anything, you're free. So say you're there. You know, you're six figures in debt right now. It's, we're in 2020. Yep. Like, I'm freaking out. What should I be doing? B What's biggest thing I would tell you is put something in the win column. You know, if you got 100 grand in debt and it's not all student debt, you probably got four or five credit cards. You got an auto loan. You got a bunch of stuff staring at you. Find one of those cards that you can pay off and forget about the other ones. Forget about interest rates. It's not about that. It's about going, I can do this. It's like weight, like losing weight. You can't lose 20 pounds in a week. Figure out how to lose the first two pounds. So you stare in the mirror, you're like, I got to win. I got to win today. And there are a lot of people I could have had invest money with oxygen, but I told them to pay off their house. And sometimes they'd say, Ted, I got a 4% mortgage. I, 
I could do better over time in the market. Not guaranteed you can't. Mm-mm. No. And when you drive home in that driveway and you pay off that house, remember that I looked you in the eye and I said, pay off that house because yeah. bad stuff is going to happen to you. Right. No one wants to say you're going to get fired at your job, but you will somewhere. <laughs> you will. I, we all do. Or you're going to get downsized or right sized or your business. You're right. Maybe you're flying high and then all of a sudden carpet's going to come out from under your feet and you're going to be like, how'd I go from making 500 grand to making 50 grand, you know, or four employees quit on you or you get a lawsuit or whatever it is. It's like not having that debt allows you to be able to battle the unexpected and that unexpected in life will hit you and it will hit you hard. Mm. And I saw it firsthand. I saw it firsthand growing up. And so I'm not a big fan of carrying stupid debt, right? If you get debt to start a business, it's great. Start the business. And then when it gets rolling, pay it off. Yeah. You know, pay it off because, um, you know, this pandemic's a great example. There are people probably leveraged out and it hit their business and they had a restaurant thinking, we got six restaurants and I'm rolling along. I have one here I can't name here in Atlanta that I think they're going to shut down. They had eight locations flying high. Yeah. I'm like, man, it ain't going to fly high forever. No, we're going to open a ninth and a tenth. But I couldn't have said this was going to be the reason it would yeah. happen but it happens. So just get a win. I love that. So get a win. Choose one card. Get it yeah. paid off. Pay that and, and build from there. You don't I have to that. cancel. You don't have to cancel the card. Uh, I like the idea of doing plastic surgery, which is basically cutting up your cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and just don't use it anymore because yeah. you don't want to kill your FICO score. But pay off the debt, man. It's just no better feeling. And if you can accelerate your mortgage over time and pay off your mortgage, pay it off. So, hey, you've obviously, you know, you've made a lot of good decisions uh, over the course of your career and and starting your company, growing your company. But what we learned through that journey is there's always things that we wish maybe we would have done better. I I don't believe in regrets. I'm not one of those guys because I believe all those things are all part of the journey. It's all part of the learning experience. But say you were able to give your younger self a piece of advice Hey, don't do this, but just a piece of advice of, hey, dude, do this more or whatever. What would that be for you? Well, there are two things. On the investment side, I can tell you definitively, because I have made some bad decisions on this, especially when I was younger and I had some money flowing in my hands, is don't invest in somebody else's dreams. And what I mean by that is you're going to have somebody that comes up and goes, hey, man, I'm going to make a movie. You ought to invest in this. Or, hey, man, I'm opening a restaurant. You ought to invest in this. It's going to kill it. And Of course they're excited. It's their dreams. It's not yours. And you will lose your money. Mm. Now, every once in a while, there's going to be a winner. There's going to be a diamond in the rough. More often than not, I've seen this time and time again, you will lose your money or your money is going to be tied up. Give me an example of this. So one of my college roommates, he wanted to open a bar in San Francisco. I was probably 30, 31 years old. I had money was flowing at that point. Um, and so he said, do you want to invest in this? I was like, yeah, man, we're brothers. I'll I'll give you money, get your bar set up. And I gave him money for his bar in San Francisco. And you know what? That bar is still open. And you know what? I still have never gotten my money back. (laughs) I said, dude, I helped you. But you get free drinks, right? Yeah. When I'm in San Francisco, (laughs) I get free drinks, but you know, I helped him live his dream on my money. And that is just not a good decision to make and and no matter what the pamphlet they give you or no matter what they tell you you're going to lose your money or not get it back most of the time most of the time and then the other thing is is that admittedly i definitely worked too much when my kids were younger 
Mm. I don't have regrets, you know, because I certainly, for whatever my kids will think of me down the road, I tried to be the best father that I could. But I did sometimes probably didn't have to work, and I did, and I probably could have been there for more stuff. I wish I would have done more of that, but you can't get the time back. You know, at the time, I thought I had to do what I have to do to make sure my family's got a roof over their head, and there's food on the table, and I, I want them to never worry about money like what I saw. Yeah. So I worked so hard, and my kids are like— Do you like, think maybe your experience made you a little bit more Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. I'm a wackadoo. You know, I mean, I'm a robot now. I don't know if I can undo it at this point. It's super weird, but I've done so much the same way for the past 25 years of my life. I'm not sure I can undo it at this point. Like, you know, people are like, do you think you'll change someday? I don't think so. I think I had a moment. I had a fork in the road. Something happened to me. I went this way and I went hard. <laughs> and people see all the good stuff. They're like, man, you got a nice house or a nice car. You got money in the bank. You got all these things. And it's like, you should just stop now and go travel. I guess. I'm not even sure I could do that at this point. I know a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, yeah, one day I'm going to sell my business and stop. And let me tell you what, because I see it. They never stop. <laughs> they might stop for like two months and then I get a call and it's like, you know, Ted, I was going to retire, but now I found another business to buy. Yeah, I know who you are because I'm that same person, man. Because you know what? No matter how many zeros you got, you're still afraid. I'm still afraid, man. I have no reason to be afraid, but I'll be, you know, you talk about being vulnerable. I'm still afraid one day that like it's all going to go away because I never had it. I never had it. And now I haven't. And like, if you look at the numbers, it's like, come on, man, don't be stupid, <laughs> you know, but I worry. I still yeah. worry these days. And I don't think that that's ever going to go away. I'm too old at this point to think it's going to go away, man. It's not. And so I'm better than I used to be. So it might be a kinder, gentler, <laughs> you know, version, but I still get up in the morning and I'm like, gotta get to work. And yeah. the truth is I probably really don't, but I don't think I could change. Well, you're older and wiser now. Yeah. And by the way, very youthful. You're not. <laughs> just so you guys, for those of you that aren't catching this, seeing the video of it. Yes. Ted looks very healthy, very fit, very He's a young yeah. guy. What do you do to bring balance to that, to the monster that is Ted the worker? Like, what do you do? Is there something you do to decompress? Well, I'm, I'm not good at it. Uh, I will say that. I mean, I have to work out for an hour every morning. And that is definitely like a religion to me. And the funniest thing about it outside of that, and I guess it is kind of business related, is I love connecting people. I love it. And I'd say in this podcast today that, you know, one day if you need my help, you're looking for a job, you need to get somebody that you don't think you can get to, you know, I'll do whatever I can to help you get there. And I want nothing in return because the way that life works is something good always comes back. I don't always know when it's going to happen, but Ted, I'd like an introduction to Oprah. I've heard that. Oh man. <laughs> I heard that she sued you once for the oxygen thing. I was joking. But you know, that stuff always comes back. And so, you know, I would give the shirt off my back to try to help people get where they're going. I'm not a jealous person at all. So I'm not jealous of other people's success. I'm happy for them, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, look, if I never had anything tomorrow, I never had anything to begin with. So it's like, it's funny now because people are like, are you gonna buy this or that? And I'm like, no, honestly, I mean, I'm back to where I was in New Jersey. I got <laughs> ratty jeans and I don't need any of that stuff to make me happy at this point. Mm. You know, my happiness is more born out of what I could do for other people. It's very satisfying 
to help somebody. So all the people in my company, I probably overpay them. People, I give them too much during Christmas time, you know, but I like to. That's what makes me feel good. I don't want to buy a new TV. I'd rather buy something, you know, for one of my employees, you know, I feel better about that. So, you know, it's funny that you share that, but it's a common theme that, you know, as I sit down and I talk to folks that like you, you I've been out in business for a couple of decades and, you know, stacked up those accolades. I found that the stuff just becomes, it's kind of empty and there's more joy. There's more fulfillment in what you can do for others and impacting other people's lives. And it sounds like that's obviously a theme in your life and in your business at this point. So um, I'm just wondering if I could get a job. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just saying, you know, hey, it's been 2020. So someone told me that Ted Jenkins pays big money. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, man, I think that's an example that anyone listening to this should follow Man, take great care of your people, man. Take great care of your people. And I'm sure I don't know all of your staff, but I'm sure that you've got great longevity there and people that have been around for a while. Well, I uh, look, I mean, you know, things happen for a reason. I did this business. I did a lot of it on social media and doing the stuff we talked about. And I started a social media company that really helped financial advisors. And I decided I'm going to make it an all women company. And I have 15 women that run that company. I love it. I didn't run the company. I'm behind the What's scenes. What's the name of that company? Too? Called HyperChat Social. And if you're a CPA or an attorney or a financial advisor, I mean, we're really good at helping them lead, generate, and build their brand. I'm not doing restaurants or retail or stuff like that. Make sure you check them out, guys. And it's all women. And there's two women. They're 30 years old that run the company. Mm. And they've been with me both for 10 years now. And one of them, when she came to work for me, I took her off of Best Buy. She was in the geek squad mm-hmm. at Best Buy. She got divorced. She had a child. She's like, you're going to take me to work at your company? I said, yeah, I'm going to pay you 22 grand. And I hired her for 22 grand, and now she runs that company. Nice. I think a big thing that's gone in today's world is loyalty. It's a lost cause, man, that people are not that loyal anymore. And I have a mean streak of loyalty. You know, Once I build my friendships... I will go down and do whatever I can for my friends. And um, you know what I've seen though, Ted, is that it's much like that term respect is earned, right? I think that people need someone to pour that into them. For example, you showed that loyalty and I think people are willing to reciprocate that. I think they're hungry for that. They want that, right? It just takes leadership and someone to show them that they're loyal to them. Because yeah, we do live in this world where everything is hyperbolic. It's just the sort of environment that leads itself to not being one of long-term investment, which is what loyalty is at the end of the day, right? It's finance, it's like finance. This is a long-term investment, right? Totally. I think that it's still there, dude. Um, By the way, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah, but as, as we start to wrap this, I'd love for you to share what's next what's going on with you and what Ted says. That is it, my man. I have two things in mind in here. I'll kind of all package together, but I started a YouTube channel. If you do check it out, I'd be grateful. Uh, I have subscribed. What Ted says, and I'm basically uh, shooting some stuff around personal finance hacks and little social media hacks. And uh, I want to take that energy and really teach people everything that I can at this point. And in a way, it's kind of documenting 25 years of work. 
yeah. of all these things I've learned. I, I just did one on the sneaky tips to beat Amazon. I know how to beat Amazon. Just watch the video and I'll show you how to beat them because they're smart. You don't know what's going on. So it's like, I'll show you how to beat them. And what I really want to do with the What Ted Says is I want to do a TV show. Originally, I had named this The Money Ref. And what I want to do is I want to be the Judge Judy for settling out your financial disputes at home. Mm. And I want to bring couples in because there's... Mm. That's a tough job. <laughs> and we're not talking about putting money in a 401k because that is not what most couples fight about. They fight about the little things like... Why you buy so many shoes or, you know, maybe your husband's got a gambling problem and he's like, oh, this is my side account for fantasy football. And, <laughs> and those arguments are real. There's no small claims court. You don't want to go to a divorce lawyer, but people want to know if they're right or they're wrong. Yeah. And, you know, this is where one spouse talks under their breath or they sit down with their girlfriends or their buddies and they bitch about their wife or husband and say, you know, damn, she spent so much money on this, you know, and then it somehow gets back to her and it's like, I heard you told my friends I spent money on this. <laughs> Where do you settle that discussion? Mm -hmm. And I found over time, the, the craziest part of this job is that I am a therapist. I wish I could say I'm a financial advisor and I am to a degree, but large part in many of the discussions, I am a therapist. We're talking about things that have money undertones, but they're really just broader discussions about life. Yeah. I don't know if you're ready to bite that big chunk off, buddy, because you know, that's the number one cause of divorce, right? I know, so, I know, I know. Woo, but I will tell you what, that would be interesting TV. I'm signing up. Wouldn't I'm it be great? Up. Like they have the mass singer now and it, I just need like, I need two wing people. Oh and no, basically... Ted, did you just go mass singer? I mean, yeah. <laughs> dude, Backstreet Boys, mass singer. What is next? <laughs> Most of the podcast was good besides that stuff, besides that stuff. But I really feel like, it would be great TV because there are people at home that have dumb arguments like you leave the lights on all the time and it costs us more. Like They range all over the place. And um, who settles those disputes? And I think people would be interested if they're watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, The Masked Singer, Hoarders, you know, all these shows of like if you're watching people who have like mess in their house, you know, this is what it is. man. That's why a lot of the shows on CNBC are all about stocks and bonds and that isn't really what people argue about at home mm -hmm. they argue private school public school great example mm. well i went to private school as a kid it's like we're not paying for private school and it's like well who's wrong and who's right well let let's talk let's Let settle Ted this. figure it out i will settle the dispute for you all right so what ted says Make sure you guys go to whattedsets.com. Yeah. Go straight over to straight over to YouTube. To, to YouTube. Subscribe to that channel and make sure you guys are checking that out. Ted, where else should people be checking for you? I mean, the easiest thing to do is every weekend on Saturdays and Sundays at seven, eight, and nine. Usually, I'm on headline news. I would say two out of four weekends I'm doing CNN and check it out. You know, I'm just trying to provide common sense advice on those programs. You dropping some social media gold too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where do we go for your social media? Just go to uh, Twitter, Ted Jenkins. Ted's everywhere. Yeah. T-E-D-J-E-N-K-I-N. No damn S. Yeah, you got to pay 250 for that letter. Pay, pay <laughs> Ted, it's been a pleasure, my friend. At the end of every single episode, we, we end every episode the same way. So my loyal listeners, you guys know how we do it. And it is with a joint 
So, Ted, with that said on three, you ready for this? What am I saying? You're saying Oh, I like You've it. You've listened to every episode. Can I, dro- can I drop the mic, too? No, I can't. Oh, <laughs> that's bad audio, my friend. You know that. All right. We yeah. out. Thank you for listening to the Business and Bourbon Podcast. Please subscribe. And if you like us, give us a five-star rating. If you don't, uh, have another drink. Maybe you'll feel a little bit differently. If you'd like to check out our videos, you can go to businessandbourbon.tv. That's businessandbourbon.tv. In addition to that, we're currently touring the United States with our Business and Bourbon Live show. It's a fantastic show where we deal whiskey education and we do some Q&A and it's a great networking event as well. So if you'd like to attend one of our Business and Bourbon Live events, you can go to businessandbourbon.live. Again, that's businessandbourbon.live. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you the next time.